This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Working in television is a great privilege, and I do it because I love it, not to win some fancy award is what I would have said yesterday. But today I'm all about that bling because The Late Show with Stephen Colbert just won a 2021 Peabody Award. Uh, and that was yesterday. That was last night. That was before we uh, booked Peter Spiliakis, and he's kind enough to come on, a columnist with the National Review, who wrote this very, I, I thought, this uh, earth-shattering column called The Breaking of Stephen Colbert. You know, obviously, uh, late, night is, late night television has changed so much. I feel like I'm just watching... A, another political show, and you don't really get much laughing. You hear clapping in support as anti-Trump rhetoric goes forward and everything Joe Biden does is great. Peter Spiliakis noticed that. He wrote this column called The Breaking of Stephen Colbert, and he wrote it right after John Stewart's appearance. Peter, welcome. How you doing, Brian? So first off, watching John Stewart uh, do what he did about the leak, the origin of the coronavirus I watched it. I watched. I always watch the replay, uh, the late night shows in the morning, as I get up and get ready for work. Here's a little of John Stewart, and I wanted you to tell me what about this appearance made you write the column. Cut thirty-three. There's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab. There's an investigation. A chance. Well, but I'm, I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask the. Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> the only coronavirus we have is in Wuhan. Yes. Where they have a lab called, what's the lab called again, Stephen? The Wuhan novel coronavirus lab. I believe that's uh-huh. the case. And now, how long have you worked for Senator Ron Johnson? Let me tell you something. So what about a little bit of that exchange made you write the column? Well, one thing that struck me is that the relationship between Colbert and Stewart, because Stewart changed mainstream network comedy in an important way. Uh, Before Stewart and The Daily Show, mainstream network comedy basically joked about whatever was happening. They would tell jokes about Republican presidents. They would tell jokes about Democratic presidents. Stewart with The Daily Show. He's a basically liberal guy, so his daily show, which got a lot of play, it mostly came from a liberal perspective. It mostly made fun of Republicans or, and uh, or conservatives. But at the same time, Colbert, well, pardon me, Stewart was a liberal guy, but if he saw his own side screwing up or he's, if he saw something that was absurd, he would make a joke about it. But over time, mainstream comedy has evolved especially when it comes to public affairs, from becoming liberal to becoming party line. Whereas Jon Stewart's a liberal comedian, but if he sees something that's absurd or silly, he's going to make fun of it. He's going to make jokes about it. Whereas uh, Stephen Colbert has been working in a world that's much more conformist and much more partisan. And in that world, among elite liberals, 
volunteering that the lab leak actually was something that's possible or important is something that's not really supposed to be done. It's it's instead of it being liberal versus conservative, it's in group versus out group. It's us versus them. And for a certain segment of Colbert's audience, volunteering or making jokes about the lab leak as if it should have happened, as, as if it might have happened. It's helping them. It's helping Trump. It's helping Senator Tom Cotton. And you're not supposed to do it because it's not about what's funny and what's not funny. It's about – it's not even about what's true and what's not true. It's about us versus them. And you can see in Colbert's, rea- Colbert's reaction to everything that John Stewart is saying, Colbert is trying to signal desperately to his audience, this isn't me. This is him. I'm not the bad guy. He's the bad guy. I'm not the guy giving aid and comfort to the enemy. He's the guy giving aid and comfort to the enemy because Colbert is afraid that the next day there's going to be a whole lot of social media reporters and other people saying Colbert is helping Trump. Colbert is being racist. Colbert is being bad. He's afraid of being identified with the outgroup because in his mind, if he's identified with the outgroup, bad things could happen to him. In other words, people who praise him now are going to scrutinize every word he says in order to trip him up, in order to make him look bad. So John Stewart quit in 2015, and the forces of conformism for late-night comedy have only gotten stronger then. So John Stewart's coming out of the world of you know, the early 2000s, where he's a liberal guy, but he makes the jokes that come to mind. And Colbert is coming from the world of 2021, where you have Jimmy Kimmel, who basically just – he Democratic congressional staffers email him talking points, and he just reads them on the air because in 2021, mainstream liberal comedy – Mainstream topical comedy on network shows like that is strictly partisan. And once again, when I say partisan, I don't mean liberal versus conservative. There's nothing liberal or conservative about whether the virus came out of a lab. Either it happened or it didn't happen. But it's us versus them. It's party line. And it's the way it developed that, you know, saying that the lab leak might have happened or even joking about it is a bad thing done by bad people. And if you're doing it, you're being a bad person, and it doesn't even matter whether what you're saying is funny or true. Here, here's, I, I mean, I would have interjected, but everything you're saying is 100% right, and with, I don't think you can challenge it. And, but it's a great, uh, that's a great observation on your part. But I'll, I'll give you a better example that backs up your thought, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon was playing like he was the Jay Leno school, where equal opportunity offender. That's what Johnny Carson was, best friends with the Reagans. He would make fun of Reagans, do skits about Reagans. That's just the way it was. And Jimmy Fallon had to apologize for having fun with presidential candidate Donald Trump. His ratings suffered because of it, and he had to apologize for being funny and showing respect to a candidate regardless of their party. And I don't think he's ever recovered. Well, I actually think even, like, Kimmel is a a better example because— Colbert, at least, is a political comedian. I think he's more original, and he's got a better sense of the absurd than he shows because he's basically sentenced himself to a lifetime of doing Robert Mueller jokes, even if nothing really funny about Robert Mueller's happened. I mean, it's got to be really painful, him being going to the writer's room and being, all right, what's some Republican congressman we can make fun of today? Uh, But Jimmy Kimmel is basically kind of a sleazy, transgressive comedian by inclination, and he's just sentenced himself to a lifetime of – just reading Democratic Party talking points on the and air. And crying and, about Obamacare and uh, equ- falsely equating it to his son's heart condition. 
and part of it is these guys are these guys are making a lot of money, but I also kind of feel bad for them because they they're they're choosing to do a kind of comedy where they're purposely they're purposely pandering to a relatively yep. small audience because once again, what they're doing today could not have worked forty years ago because the audiences were much wider back then. Now you can get by on talking to two, three million people. Right. And you used to you get like narrow, an eight. You can now you're getting a two. Yeah, you can narrow cast. But at the same time, it's come at a cost of the comedy sense of the transgressive and of the absurd. And you know what what John Stewart was doing is he was observe observing absurdity. Now does John Stewart really know does he really believe that the virus came from a lab? Who knows? But the point is he he saw something that seemed silly, saw something that seemed absurd, yep. and made some pretty funny some pretty funny jokes about it. And Colbert Colbert's reaction was to panic. But the panic wasn't because what he was saying wasn't true or wasn't funny. It's because it's not supposed to be said on this show at this time. And because I want you to I want you to hear here's Colbert on stay on doing his monologue. And just admitting what you just said, cut 36. Making jokes about you has been good for ratings. It's almost as if the majority of Americans didn't want you to be president. <laughs> but you know, you know who's got really bad ratings these days? You do. <laughs> Terrible approval numbers. I hear they're thinking about switching your time slot with Mike Pence. Since all of my success is clearly based on talking about you, if you really want to take me down, there's an obvious way. Resign. So, uh, I guess he was talking about these guys just survive on anti, uh, anti-Trump humor. All three of them do. And now Jimmy Fallon does, too. Even you see... Uh, um, you see uh, James Corden come out and just hit three anti-Trump jokes. He's reluctantly because he thinks that's the only way uh, to do it. So where do well, they... I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure it's just about ratings because once again, it's J- Joe Stewart going on the Colbert Show probably did good for the show. It got a lot more social media hits than it would have if you just had some random dude doing random hackish jokes. But at the same time, the forces for conformism aren't simply drawn by ratings. I'm not even sure they're entirely drawn by ratings. They're drawn from a fear that social media mobs will come after him. Like when Colbert was desperately trying to break up Jon Stewart's timing. At one point, the uh, band actually like punctuated one of Colbert's points in order to signal to the audience that Colbert was actually right, that Colbert was funny because Jon Stewart was getting way too much of a reaction for, for, what they, for what they wanted. What they were afraid of is that social media mobs, once again, this is not the majority of the country, they'll decide that he's the enemy. And these social media mobs, they're not most Colbert viewers, they're not most Democrats, but they're overrepresented. They're um, their influence is overrepresented in places like corporate marketing departments. So if they start like a cancel Colbert tab uh, or a tag uh, hashtag rather, then it would be an annoyance to him at minimum. So he'd rather avoid it. So it's not just about it's not just about uh, ratings or even not even primarily about ratings. It's fear of social media mobs and the disproportionate influence of social media mobs. On on advertisers and other journalistic elites, because once again, if that hashtag trends that you know Stephen Colbert is racist, because once again, if you're a lot of this is in group versus out group, especially for these social so, media mobs, right? Yeah, they'll, it'll hurt. It'll hurt their sponsors. Now, let me ask some Peter. What happens if he starts 
uh, going back and forth when Joe Biden clearly loses his pace, forgets the Bill of Rights, uh, decides uh, to name his secretary of defense the general, uh, forgets this general's name. And he starts doing that kind of like Leno used to do. Do you think he loses sponsors? Do you think he loses ratings? I don't know that he loses ratings necessarily, but I do think you get, once again, it's if it was John Stewart, I think he would make the joke. It, but if you habituate your audience to pure partisanship and you show weakness Temporary. to social media mobs, yeah. it's tough to come back from that. Not impossible, but you have to be willing to take hits. And if you look at Colbert lately, he just looks like a defeated guy. That Even though he's winning. Is, well, he's but he's but is he win? I mean, he's making money. All these guys are making money, but is he doing the jokes he wants to do? He knows that he's hemmed in. I mean, he knows he can show better than he's. He's no. He knows that he can show better than he's. I hear doing. you. But he. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's, similar things happen. If your similar things happen to some so talk show hosts, conservative talk show hosts on radio, they go into certain grooves. And it's tough to get out of them. And if you try, well, there's going to be audience backlash. So I think, once again, with Colbert, I think the problem is less audience backlash. I don't think he's going to lose 200,000, 300,000 viewers if he makes a joke about Joe Biden falling down the stairs. That's not his problem. So he has to do a show from his house. So you don't get any feedback at all, which is never easy. But it didn't stop him. Trump's out of office And he's still revolving his whole monologue, to your point. Cut 40. Speaking of things opening up, the former president's mouth, on Saturday night, Fatty Kruger gave a speech to the North Carolina Republican Party where he said a bunch of stuff, but nobody paid attention because it looked like he wore his pants backwards. Either he shares a tailor with a Ken doll or he spends so much time yanking stuff out of his keister, he just likes to have the zipper back there to make it easy. But it raised a lot of questions like... How did he zip his pants? And was his belt also on backwards? And how lucky are we that this man no longer has the nuclear codes? Okay, hysterical. I mean, I mean that's that's pathetic. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you have to be like you'd have to be embarrassed to do that material. It's uh, some of it sounds like it was written by a by a not very bright middle school boy, but at the same time, it's kind of, when you do party line comedy, and by party line I mean. There's in-groups and there's out-groups. There's us and there's them, and my job is to make fun of them, even if that's not necessarily the best material that day. And now that you have to do this day after day for years, there's going to be times where you don't have a lot to talk about, and you just have to and you just have to make do because you're purposely because you're purposely eliminating a huge number of potential jokes because your job is to be partisan to follow to follow a party to follow a party line and it's once again he's he's purposely made himself tough made it tough on himself and you can see that john stewart part of his john stewart retired from this kind of comedy in 2015 john stewart can do the jokes that john stewart wants to do now based on john stewart's inclinations liberals are going to like most of the jokes that john stewart thinks of but they're not going to like all of them, or more, more specifically, the most partisan and humorless liberals Peter, aren't going to like all of them. Uh, I 100% agree, and I was the victim of a lot of his jokes, and I would just say, okay, uh, you take me out of context, but it was, it was very funny. And, I, and, and he would attack our network a lot of times, and when he got personal, I thought it was too far, especially at the end. But a lot of the stuff was very creative. And I would sit there, and I, I'd watch The Daily Show every night. I, I had to. I don't have to. I look at The Daily Show now, it's an embarrassment. 
I look at these late night shows, the only person even worth even glimpsing at is James Corden because he's so creative and talented. And when I watched the history of late night, which was done by an outside source but aired on CNN, that made me miss it. Then when I saw your column, I go, man, you get it. That's exactly what this country needs a late night show to laugh at itself, to diffuse the tension. The person to go up the middle and be an equal opportunity offender. You'd be surprised. I guarantee you, uh, if you're willing, if you're a comedian by nature, you want to ruffle people's feathers if you're a real comedian. Stop being somebody who wants to be accepted. You're not a comedian then. You're supposed well, to. You're, of- you've been an outcast your whole life. Real quick, your final thought. Well, part of it is that it's once again, it's, uh, I want to get away from being liberal versus conservative as opposed to conformist versus nonconformist. Like, if you see comics like Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle's a man of the left, but he is willing to make jokes that basically offend at some point or another everybody. Absolutely. But he had to make he had to make the decision to do that. Whereas uh, Stephen Colbert made a decision not to not to do that, and that's the difference. And that's why the column was uh, resonating: the breaking of Stephen Colbert. Peter Spiliakis, thanks so much, columnist for the National Review. Back in a moment to wrap things up. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.